on the job with Francis Leach and Sally Rugg. It's on the job, the show all about making your working life better. Francis Leach with you here, ahead of what's going to be a massive week for workers because the 2022 budget will be delivered by the Treasurer Josh Frydenberg on Tuesday. Of course, it's a pre-election budget as well, which means that we need to look out for what the government's angle is here. And with this government nine years in, we're pretty sure that workers are not the top of their list of priorities. But that doesn't mean that the union movement isn't pushing them all the way to do better for workers. And the Australian Council of Trade Unions will have its own ask of the government. And later in the week, it's a wage review as well. So will uh, those workers who are really doing it tough in terms of the cost of living issues that are so prevalent at the moment, will they get the wage rise, the minimum wage rise that they deserve and so desperately need? Well, Michelle O'Neill is the president of the ACTU and uh, she's going to be very busy over the next little while as she is anyway, but she's been good enough to join us here on the job to have a chat about all these things. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good, Francis. Good to see you. Thanks for talking to me about all things budget and workers. Well, we just mentioned in the intro there that it's a really crucial time for workers because the cost of living through the roof and people are really feeling the pinch. So what are the key issues, do you think, Budget 2022, that, that you and the movement's going to be, you know, focusing on? Well, Francis, the first thing really is wages. And that's so important because of what we see happening with the cost of living. So many workers are doing it tough. And that's because the government would like you to think this is just a problem that's happened since Russia invaded Ukraine. But actually, we've had nine years of this government and nine years of workers' wages being stagnant. And what that means is that the amount that workers' wages have gone up has been pretty much the same or less than what the inflation or cost of living has gone up. And so that's been bad for nine years, well before the pandemic, well before any invasion. But then now we see that the inflation is going up even more. So the prices of, you know, we things like groceries, petrol, childcare, rent, going through the roof uh, and workers' wages are not keeping up with that. So in real terms, workers' wages are going backwards and workers' wages went backwards on average by $800 last year. Huge numbers and as you said, the cost of living stuff is very, very real and minor. Every day people going to work are thinking about this. The government is likely in an election year to go for some one-off payments, maybe some tax breaks here. There's talk of the fuel excise being reduced for a period of time. But why should workers be wary of this stuff? Because, it's you know, on the surface it might look attractive, but it's not all that it's cut out to seem, is it? Well, one-off payments are really just trying to buy an election Um, because the other thing we've got to remember about this budget is that it's literally within weeks, a couple of months at most, of the government going to an election. So they're not thinking beyond two months. Uh, They're thinking about what are we going to do to convince people to vote for us? And that's where these one-off sweeteners come from. And absolutely understand why if you're doing it tough and so many workers are, every cent matters. So you're never going to knock back and say, no, we shouldn't get some help here. But the problem with giving one-off payments is that it doesn't deal with the underlying problem. And the underlying problem are two things. You know, one is, as I just said, wages being stagnant and actually going backwards in real terms for workers. So you need a strategy to address 
wages and make sure that wages are going up because that's what will get people through, not a one-off payment that disappears so fast when you just pay for the next grocery bill or fill your car up. So lifting wages doesn't happen through one-off payments. And secondly, one of the other things that really matters for workers is how many workers now are in insecure work. So if your job is unreliable, if you don't know how much you're going to earn week to week or month to month, you don't know if you're going to get that next shift or roster, then again, a one-off payment gets eaten up so fast. And if you've got no security of your income, it just doesn't help. So we really want to see changes that are going to set workers up in a better and fairer way for ongoing life of them and their families. And that means fixing insecure work and lifting wages. And there's also that other element, say, for instance, with the fuel excise is the one that's being talked about. If that's reduced, then that's going to be recouped by the government in other ways that hurts workers, isn't it? Because services are the things that are going to be cut to accommodate that. So people will feel it at the other end when they need to access government services that won't be available to them or won't be up to the standard they expect. That's right. You know, we want everyone to pay their fair share of tax. And the reason we want that is because it's that money that goes towards giving people the services we need, the health system we need, the education system we need. And, you know, if you think about what's happened with COVID, how much we relied on the fact that we had a strong health system in Australia, that we had things like Medicare, really, really important. If you undermine the money that is going to government, then it means that there's only one result of that. They're going to start cutting back and they already have, of course, so in so many areas over the life of this government, the services and support, the community infrastructure we need to have a good, fair society. Michelle, does the ACT the, uh, and the Union Movement in general have some specific asks during this Budget Week, that things that you're going to be red hot on and looking at? Well, we want to see that the government is going to act on cost of living and wages. And there are things they could do, like the way you hear Josh Frydenberg and even the Prime Minister talk about it, it's like they're sort of throwing up their hands, oh, you know, it's all these global things. Well, that's just rubbish. As I said, it's nine years of their track record. And unfortunately, nine years of us getting to know this Prime Minister and getting to know that at his core, he's someone who always blames someone else, always walks away from the hard decisions, always missing in action when you need him. And on wages, they could act. So the first thing is that in the coming weeks, we're having the minimum wage case. That's the case that happens every year where the Fair Work Commission looks at what should be the rise and the rate of the minimum wage and all the minimum award rates throughout the country. That's so important for people who are on the lowest income, but you know it impacts so many other workers as well, what that change is. The government could put in a strong submission to that minimum wage case, arguing for a big lift in the minimum wage. That in itself would make a massive difference to wages in this country, and that's in their hands to do now. The second thing they could do is do something about their own employees, the public service. So workers who work in the public sector and the Commonwealth Public Service are employed 
by the government. They were doing so many important jobs. You know, you think of the workers that work in places like Centrelink. You think of the workers that are doing the research into what's happening with about things like climate change. You think of all the different jobs that we rely on the public sector to do. What we need is to see the government give a fair increase to its own workforce because, again, that impacts on the private sector as well and it affects what's happening in the economy. It's something directly they can do and they've had this artificial wage cap for years now, suppressing wages of the workers who do the good hard work for them. So that's one of the other things they can do. And of course, there's other things that also would make a difference. The way that our system works, it's clear that we don't have a fair system in terms of workers being able to argue for or bargain for good wage increases, and that can change. Also, early childhood education is a massive one, isn't it, when it comes to equity in terms of work access and opportunity for women in particular. And it's something this government just won't put its its thumb on the scale to, to make sure that there is that opportunity and equal access and, and affordable access for early childhood education for, for women in, and families that, that need it to be able to have working lives. Well, you've hit the nail on the head, Francis, because one of the other things that's happened to wages is that we see a really unequal, what they call the gender pay gap, but the difference between what women and men get paid in Australia. And on average, if you look at all the money that gets paid to men, all the money that pays to women, it's $483 difference per week. That's a shocking thing for Australia in 2022. And one of the reasons that happens is the real undervaluing of work and jobs in areas where the majority of workers are women. And so that's true in terms of early childhood education and care. The people who are doing that really important job of caring and educating for our children. And also we see it in aged care. And similarly, vast majority of workers, women, really underpaid and undervalued, insecure jobs in both those sectors. And right now, there's actually a wage case going on for aged care workers where this issue is being looked at about whether they're valued properly. And of course, they're not. And again, where's Scott Morrison? missing, doing nothing to say that the government supports an increase in the wages of workers that work in the aged care sector. Quality jobs, fair treatment of workers delivers quality care. And just on that, I mean, we're going to hear the government, no doubt at some point during the budget speech, trumpet, uh, it believes it can have an unemployment rate with a three in front of it as if that in and of itself is a, is a victory. But that's not the whole story, is it? Because what they won't talk about is underemployment and the, the hard top figure of what unemployment is doesn't reflect the true nature of what the workforce in Australia looks like right now, does it? It sure doesn't, and it, it actually paints a picture that the government will trump it time and time again. But if you unpack it and you look at what's really going on, that's not the reality. The first thing to say is the vast majority of jobs that have been created over the last couple of years are insecure jobs. So they're casual jobs, they're part-time jobs where people want more hours, they're jobs where people have to work two, three or four jobs because they can't live on the first job. And we've got more jobs like that and more people relying on that than we've ever had before in Australia's history. The second thing to, to say is that the unemployment figure doesn't tell you about 
underemployment. So the number of people out there who want more hours and more pay, and we know that that's significant and that's why people are doing multiple jobs more than ever. But it also doesn't tell you about this other group that on the day that they do the survey might not be looking for work that day. And these are people that are actually wanting to work, but there's things that are getting in the way of them looking for work. And really typically that's women that can't afford or access childcare. They want to be in the labour market. They want to be doing more hours at work, but we don't have a free and universal early childhood education and care system that would support those women to be working the hours that they want to work. In Australia, we've got this situation where we're a relatively well-off country, but we've got this big gap between women and men's participation in work. And it's one of the biggest in equivalent countries. So women work at about 61% and men at 70. If we had the right early childhood education and care system in place, women would work more hours. It'd be good for the kids. It'd be good for the men. It'd be good for the women. And it would be good for our economy. So it wouldn't cost anything ultimately, to deliver free universal childcare. It will just benefit everybody and make it more equal and fairer. We all know there are moments in your life when super plays its part, both while working and in retirement. So it makes sense to be with a long-term, top-performing industry super fund like Australian Super. It's Australian, it's super, and it's yours. Disclaimer, past performance is not an indicator of future returns. Read the PDS and TMD at australiansuper.com. Michelle, precarious or insecure work is something I know that you and I are both passionate about in terms of how important it is to change that dynamic where at the moment around 30% of the workforce is either in insecure, precarious work, labour hire work or casual work. Some people want that, but there's a lot of people who, who've never been able to get a foothold in life because they've always just grapevine from job to job to job, hard to get a bank loan, hard to get a car loan, hard to, to save money. What can be done and what should we be looking for in a budget that might actually shift that dynamic and provide more secure work for people that want it? This is such an important issue that government should be acting on. And again, you know, one of those classic things where not only the government has not acted to fix this in nine years in power, they've made it worse. And they've made it worse in a few key ways. Just last year in the middle of the pandemic, they changed the law to basically make it easier for bosses to rot calling someone a casual when they're not really a casual. And and you're right, Francis, there are some genuine casual jobs and workers that want that casual work. But what we've seen is more and more jobs that are called casual than when you look at the reality of people's work and their patterns of work. They're really permanent ongoing jobs that are just called casual and people don't have the security of knowing they've got an ongoing job and all the benefits and entitlements that come from that. And the government changed the law to basically say the boss calls you a casual at the beginning. doesn't matter what the real reality of your job is. They can keep treating you as casual. That's disgraceful. So they could change that. We could have a clear and good definition of genuine casual jobs. The other thing we've got is these rolling contracts. So the government 
do this a lot themselves with contracting out a lot of public sector jobs that used to be permanent jobs. But we see it in every industry and every sector as well, where a worker will be told, well, you've got a job for, uh, you know, February till November, uh, and then the contract ends. And then, of course, it comes to January, and they've got the same job from February to November. I've met workers that have been 15 years in that circumstance doing exactly the same job. The only thing that happens is they lose access to holiday pay and security and every year they face Christmas and the new year not knowing if they're going to have a job in the next year. It's terrible. And all the things you mentioned, like how do you enter into a lease? How do you buy a home? How do you make decisions about what you can do with your kids and whether you can have a holiday and not all of that? you know, is out the window. The third thing is, as well as casual and contract work, is labour hire. So we've got all these workers where the employers have thought, well, I know how to get out of paying people, you know, what might have been the fair paying conditions that got negotiated with my permanent workers. I'll keep them on that rate, but I'll get somebody else to employ all these other workers and bring them in and pay them less. I don't employ them, so I don't have to worry about it. So workers working alongside each other, doing the same job, one paid a whole lot less than the other. So getting rid of that law, you know, if you're doing the same job, you should get the same paying conditions. And the last one I'm going to mention is gig workers. So we've seen this explosion here in Australia and around the world of companies that go, okay, we want to employ someone to deliver your food, for example, takeaway. We all rely on that and have more than ever the last couple of years. We're going to say to these workers, well, you're not actually a worker, even though we're going to control where you go, when you go, you know, how long it takes, everything else about your job, we're going to direct you, we're going to treat you like you're a contractor, you look after your own, you know, hourly rate of pay, your own super, your own workers' comp, which basically means workers are being paid way below the minimum wage putting their lives at risk often without even access to safety and workers' comp. So, Michelle, at the end of the week, the wage review follows off the back of the budget, and it's so important, isn't it, for workers? I mean, some people might think, oh, a couple of dollars an hour or, you know, it doesn't really matter, but it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? And that's why each year this is a really important moment for workers. This wage review is important every year, but so important this year, Francis. You know, we've got that impact of workers' wages going backwards in real terms. And now's the time for a real and significant increase in the minimum wage. That will be good for workers because they're facing those rising costs of living, you know, being able to fill your car up pay for the groceries. I was in Tassie last week and talking to a worker down there and she told me that just in the last six weeks, her grocery bill had gone up $130 a week. And she said, I can't keep paying for that. So it's really important just to meet the cost of living, but it's also important because it's good for the economy. Like even conservative economists, even the Reserve Bank, even the government, they talk with forked tongues. One minute they say, oh, we want to see wages rise. And the other minute, they don't do anything to support a real significant increase in the minimum wage in the wage review case that's happening just in the next week. So that's what we want them to do. We'll be calling for a significant increase for working people. And we want to see a government backing that call. The thing about the employers is that when times are good, bosses say, oh, We can't give you a wage increase because we need to sort of make sure we do something about 
other things we need for the business. Times are bad. They say, oh, we can't give you a wage increase because we can't afford to give you a wage increase. It would be bad for business. It's never good for business. They'll never argue that workers should get a wage increase. This is the time when the unions will be in there fighting for workers to get a fair increase. And what a government should do is back that in. Michelle, busy week ahead. Thank you so much for spending a bit of time with us. Good luck. Thanks, Francis. Great to chat with you and let's hope we see something for workers in the budget. But don't hold your breath. What we really want to do is, of course, make sure that we get rid of this government and that we win fairness and rights for workers and making sure that we've got a government that actually cares about workers is critical to that. Thanks for being on the job, Michelle. Thanks, Francis. Michelle O'Neill there, the president of the ACTU with us here on the job budget on Tuesday, wage review on Friday, and of course you'll hear all about it. You don't forget you can uh, also find the podcast as well, uh, share it with your friends, uh, let people know about it, give us a rating if you can on uh, whatever platform it is that you use, and uh, we'll catch you for the next edition of On the Job. See you later.